Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good afternoon, everyone, on the uh, east coast of the United States, uh, the central region of the United States, and I know those on the west coast, um, it will be afternoon soon for you. And around the world, this is uh, Kennard speaking. I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God uh, Biblical Instructional Program. Uh, today's date is uh, December 22nd, 2012 on the Roman calendar. Um, I'm going to talk about today uh, what is rebellion. I think this is an interesting topic. And uh, a friend of mine yesterday um, told me I needed to amend or add to uh, a Bible study I did about government. I didn't go into detail about the fact that our United States Constitution is being trampled upon by our current uh, administration and other past administrations. It has been. And what do you do in a situation where um, the government is not following its own rules and regulations? Do we just uh, righteously rebel against that and, and face the consequences, or do we do it in a shrewd and wise way? So anyway, I'm going to cover that today, uh, but each and every program, if there is significant world news, and it usually is, uh, <laughs> uh, the way things are right now, um, I'm going to discuss that, and then we're going to get into the Bible study. Uh, for those who want to call in, uh, feel free to do so. Um, my um, call-in number is 347-945-7525 if you wish to do so. Okay, so let's cover the uh, world news. And what I usually do is go to www.watch.org, W-A-T-C-H.org. Uh, World Watch Daily by Koenig International News. Uh, the headline here at this particular website, Jewish Home Chief Natalie Bennett lambasted by other political parties for stating he would refuse by path of consciousness uh, objection IDF orders to evacuate settlements or conscientious. So says Likud and labor members denounced statements by Jewish Home Chief Nafatali Bennett about refusing IDF orders to evacuate settlements. So they're having this issue again when the Jews rightfully want to um, build or create more property on their land. Uh, the Palestinians go out of their minds and so forth. It's just ridiculous and stupid. But that's what's going on in Jerusalem right now. And 
Netanyahu states here, I will ignore UN censor over Jerusalem construction. It says Israel will continue to build in East Jerusalem despite condemnation from the United Nations. Uh, international community adds the capital of the Jewish state for 3,000 years has been Jerusalem. I want to say it clearly. So I like when he takes a tough stance there. Uh, U.S. Russia reportedly agreed to removal of Assad from power. So we need to be watching the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 17 very closely. Let's, t- let's turn there. Isaiah chapter 17. Isaiah chapter 17, verse 1. It states in the King James Version, the burden of Damascus. Uh, Damascus is the a city, uh, not the, <laughs> the capital city of Syria. It says, Behold, Damascus is taken away from being a city, and it shall be a ruinous heap. Now, people say, well, this happened in the past. Yes, it did. But, again, prophecy is circular. Uh, it, 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 more than not, or it appears, or it does, that's what I'm trying to say, it, it occurs in similar fashion twice, sometimes three times throughout history, sometimes even more than that, it depends. Uh, especially if we're talking about social conditions, social behavior. All right, so we need to be looking at that because obviously according to the, the prophet Isaiah that uh, Damascus one day will be taken away from being a city and it should be a ruinous heap. So we need to pay attention to that, and it's interesting that uh, what's going on in the Middle East, it, it, it's, uh, it's really interesting prophecy here, so we need to pay attention to it. Okay, as far as uh, this country, the United States, a country that I live in, there's a number of headlines I want to cover. Uh, the Economic Collapse uh, website, uh, which I suggest every one of you that's listening to me to go to it uh, frequently. Uh, he has information about gold coins, silver coins, emergency food, uh, survival supplies, uh, self-defense, seed banks, preppers. So this guy really understands what's going on. And uh, his other menu bar here states uh, unemployment, banksters, economic despair, Federal Reserve, housing crash, trade, government government debt, Europe, financial markets, so he pretty much understands what the deal is uh, economically, not only in this country, but around the world. Uh, One headline he has here, 75 economic numbers from 2012 that are almost too crazy to believe. It says, what a year 2012 has been. The mainstream media continues to tell us what a great job the Obama administration and the Federal Reserve are doing of managing the economy. But meanwhile, things are just continuing to get even worse for the poor and the middle class. It is imperative that we educate the American people about the true condition of our economy and about why all this is happening. If nothing is done, our debt problems will continue to get worse. Millions of jobs will continue to leave the country. Small businesses will continue to be suffocated. And the middle class will continue to collapse. And poverty in the United States will continue to explode Just tweaking things slightly is not going to fix our economy. We need a fundamental change in direction. Right now, we are living in a bubble of debt-fueled false prosperity that allows us to continue to consume far more wealth than we produce. But when that bubble bursts, we are going to experience the most painful economic adjustment that America has ever gone through. 
We need to be able to explain to our fellow Americans what is coming, why it is coming, and what needs to be done. Hopefully the crazy economic numbers that I have included in this article will be shocking enough to wake some people up. And I'll just read a few of them here. This is pretty, he writes pretty long blogs here. He states here, says the end of the year is a time when people tend to gather with family and friends more than they do during the rest of the year. Hopefully many of you will use the list below as a tool to help start some conversations about the coming economic collapse with your loved ones. Sadly, most Americans still tend to doubt that we are heading into economic oblivion. So if you have someone among your family and friends that believes that everything is going to be just fine, just show them these numbers. They are a good summary of the problems that the U.S. economy is currently facing. I'll just highlight some of them here. It says the following are 50 economic numbers from 2012 that are almost too crazy to believe. Number one, in December 2008, 31.6 million Americans were on food stamps. Today, a new all-time record of 47.7 million Americans are on food stamps. That number has increased by more than 50% over the past four years. And yet the mainstream media still has the gall to insist that things are getting better. Number two, back in the 1970s, about one out of every 50 Americans was on food stamps. Today, about one out of every 6.5 Americans is on food stamps. Let me underscore that. That is very important. Back in the 1970s, about one out of every 50 Americans was on food stamps. Today, about one out of every 6.5 Americans is on food stamps. Number three, according to one calculation, the number of Americans on food stamps now exceeds the combined populations of Alaska, Arkansas, Connecticut, Delaware, District of Columbia, Hawaii, Idaho, Iowa, Kansas, Maine, Mississippi, Montana, Nebraska, Nevada, New Hampshire, New Mexico, North Dakota, Oklahoma, Oregon, Rhode Island, South Dakota, Utah, Vermont, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Number four. According to one recent survey, 55% of all Americans have received money from a safety net program run by the federal government at some point in their lives. Number five, for the first time ever, more than a million public school students in the United States are homeless. Let me repeat that and underscore that again. For the first time ever, more than a million public school students in the United States are homeless. That number has risen by 57% since the 2006-2007 school year. Number six, median household income in the United States has fallen for four consecutive years. Overall, it has declined by over $4,000 during that time span. Number seven, families that have, ha- that have a head of household under the age of 30 have a poverty rate of 37%. Number eight, the percentage of working-age Americans with a job has been under 59% for 39 months in a row. Again, the percentage of working-age Americans with a job has been under 59% for 39 months in a row. That's sad. Number nine, in September 2009, during the depths of the last economic crisis, 58.7% of all working-age Americans were employed. 
In November 2012, 58.7% of all working-age Americans were employed. It is more than three years later, and we are in the exact same place. Number 10. When you total up all working-age Americans that do not have a job in America today, it comes to more than 100 million. Let me repeat that. Number 10. When you total up all working-age Americans that do not have a job in America today, it comes to more than 100 million. Number 11. According to one recent survey, 55% of all small business owners in America say they would not start a business today given what they know now and in the current environment. Number 12. The number of jobs at new small businesses continues to decline. According to economics Tim Caney, economist rather, Tim Kane, the following is how the decline in the number of startup jobs per 1,000 Americans breaks down by presidential administration. Uh, Bush Sr., 11.3. Clinton, 11.2. Bush Jr., 10.8. And Obama, 7.8. And that's that. Number 13, the U.S. share of global GDP, gross domestic product, the total sum of all uh, goods product production, in this country has fallen from 31.8% in 2001 to 21.6% in 2011. Number 14, the United States is falling in the Global Economic Competitiveness Rankings compiled by the World Economic Forum for four years in a row. Excuse me. <laughs> Number 15, there are four major U.S. banks that each have more than $40 trillion of exposure to derivatives. Let me repeat that. There are four major U.S. banks that each have more than $40 trillion of exposure to derivatives. Number 16, in 2000, there were more than 17 million Americans working in manufacturing, but now there are less than 12 million. All right, I'm going to read a few more. Number 17, according to the Pew Research Center, 61% of all Americans were middle income back in 1971. Today, only 51% of Americans are. Folks, we are in trouble, and we need to acknowledge that. I can go on and read the bad news continually here, but um, it's, you can read the rest of this. Uh, there's so much proof out there that we're living in the end times. This is totally ridiculous. So we need to understand this and uh, number 67 is interesting here. If Bill Gates gave every single penny of his fortune to the U.S. government, it would only cover the U.S. budget deficit for about 15 days. <laughs> Let me repeat that. Number 67. If Bill Gates gave every single penny of his fortune to the United States government, it would only cover the U.S. budget deficit for about 15 days. So that tells you that we really are in a mess financially, ladies and gentlemen. I'm reading number 75. Today, the U.S. national debt is more than 5,000 times larger than it was when the Federal Reserve was originally created back in 1913. And he says, please share this article with as many people as you can. Time is running out, and we need to wake up as many people as possible. I totally agree, and I try to do my part on this program each and every week to try to wake you up to reality, the reality of this country, the reality of this world, the reality we're just not collectively as a human race, obeying the great 
Elohim or God. Elohim is his uh, Hebrew name. Um, it's the name of God translated in Hebrew, Elohim. So what else can we talk about on this page here? The economic collapse. I mean, this is a very, very good uh, blog, and there's a lot of good information on this blog to, to wake you up if you're not already woke up and to continue to be woke up. Uh, another headline here on this blog, it says, 20 signs that the U.S. poverty explosion is hitting children and young people the hardest. It says the mainstream media continues to insist that the economy is getting better, but the poverty numbers for children and young people just continue to explode. For example, did you know that the poverty rate for families with a head of household under the age of 30 is a whopping, I just read that to you, 37%. Children and young people sure didn't cause our recent economic downturn, but they sure are getting hit the hardest by it. According to the U.S. Department of Education, for the first time ever, more than a million U.S. public school students are homeless. I read that too. That seems like an impossible number, but it is actually true. How in the world could the wealthiest nation on earth Get to the point where more than a million children can't count on a warm bed to sleep in at night. Doesn't make any sense, does it? Sadly, a huge number of American children can't count on a warm dinner either. About a fourth of them are enrolled in the food stamp program. What do you do if you are a parent in that kind of situation? How do you explain to your kids that you can't afford a nice home like everyone else has or that you can't afford to go to the grocery store and buy them some dinner? So, you know, folks, you know, we're living in, here's another one I want to read here. It says, 22 stats that prove that there is something seriously wrong with young men in America. When are we finally going to admit that we have a very serious problem with the generation of young men in America? We have failed them so dramatically that it is hard to put it into words. We have raised an entire generation of young males that don't know how to be men, and many of them feel completely lost. Sometimes it feels so lost that they snap in the very destructive ways. Adam Lanza and James Holmes are two names that come to mind. Why is it that mass murderers are almost always young men? Let me underscore and repeat this, and this is a good point. Why is it that mass murderers are almost always young men? You don't hear about women going around shooting up people. It's happened before, but uh, I agree with him on that. In the majority of cases, they're, they're young men, they're, they're men going around shooting people. Says sadly, Adam Lanza and James Holmes are just the tip of the iceberg of a much larger problem in our society. Our young women vastly outperform our young men. This is a prophecy. I'm going to read this prophecy in Isaiah to back up what is being said here in a minute. Our young women vastly outperform our young men in almost every important statistical category. Young men are much more likely to perform poorly in school. They are much more likely to have disciplinary problems, and they are much more likely to commit suicide. In the old days, our young men would gather in the streets or in the parks to play with one another after school. But today, most of them are content to spend countless hours feeding their addictions to video games, movies, and other forms of entertainment. Again, in the old days, our young men would gather in the streets or in the parks to play with one another after school. But today, most of them are content to spend countless hours, countless hours, Feeding their addictions to video games, which a lot, a lot of the the games are online now, uh, movies, and other forms of entertainment. When our young men grow up, many of them are extremely adverse to taking on responsibility. 
Let me underscore that again. When our young men grow up, many of them are extremely adverse to taking on responsibility. They just don't want to do it. They want to have lots of sex, but they aren't interested in marriage. They enjoy the comforts of living at home, but they don't want to go out and pursue career goals, and they don't have to get out and work. They can work at home, but regardless, they got to work and, and, and try to generate some income. Okay? Uh, they, they enjoy the comforts of living at home, but they don't want to go out and pursue career goals so that they can provide those things for themselves. Our young men are supposed to be leaders of tomorrow, but instead many of them are a major burden on society. When are we finally going to admit that something has gone horribly wrong? And believe me, I, I know what has gone wrong, and I'm going to prove that to you out of the scriptures here. Uh, I'm going to turn to, oh, there's someone that's calling me here. Oh, there, I was going to allow you to speak. Uh, you can call back in if you want. Sorry about that. I really get into this program, and <laughs> I go back to the switchboard, and all of a sudden someone pops up there. But you can call back if you want. I'll, I'll go ahead and allow you to speak. Okay. Sorry about that. And I wanted to make that point, and let me just quote a scripture here in Isaiah chapter 3. Isaiah chapter 3, verse 12. And this is a prophecy and tells us about our society today. Isaiah 3, verse 12. Uh, My people, children are their oppressors, and women rule over them. O my people, they which lead thee cause thee to err and destroy the way of thy paths. And that is what's going on today, folks. Um, Children are our oppressors, and women rule over them. Okay, And those are the two things that, unfortunately is bad news for our society uh, that we have women ruling society and, and we have children ruling society, our oppressors. And that's what that article was talking about, and the Bible backs that up. So it's unfortunate. So, um, caller, if you wanted to call in again, uh, the number is 347-945-7525. I'm paying attention to my switchboard. So if you call in, I'll gladly have you speak. So, again, that number is 347-945-7525, and I apologize for that. Okay, so let's get into the Bible study. What is rebellion? What is rebellion? And how do we overcome it, and how do we um, righteously rebel or be stubborn? Well, first of all, in 1 Samuel chapter 15, 1 Samuel chapter 15, 1 Samuel chapter 15, beginning in verse 23, states, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. So this is interesting. Rebellion is related to witchcraft, is related to being stubborn, and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected thee from being king. All right, and this is an example. If you read this whole chapter, um, Samuel was being rebellious. He didn't do what God told him to do. 
And then God, through the prophet Samuel, was telling him that your rebellion, and what is rebellion? Well, the, the Hebrew word for rebellion is Marie, as, um, and, and it's a masculine noun meaning obstinacy, uh, stubbornness, and rebelliousness. Rebelliousness, I'm sorry. Obstinacy, stubbornness, and rebelliousness. Uh, the term consistently stays within the tight semantic range and most often describes the Israelites' determined refusal to obey the precepts laid down by the Lord in his law or Torah, his instructions or Torah. This characteristic attitude was a visible manifestation of their hard hearts or stubborn hearts. So rebellion means to simply be stubborn. <laughs> and God looks at that stubbornness as being, uh, you know, tapping in, in the world of witchcraft and, and, and um, idolatry. So we got to be careful about being rebellious. And also notice the scripture states that when you reject the word of God, when you don't believe the words of God, that's rebellion. And you can get into witchcraft. And what uh, I don't have to tell you, I guess I don't have to tell you, but I will anyway. It says uh, witchcraft means, uh, in the Hebrew, uh, divination. This word described the cultic practice of foreign nations that was prohibited in Israel. Okay, and in Deuteronomy 18, verse 10, Thou shalt not be found among you any that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, that use a divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch. All right? So that is, <laughs> that's serious. He looks at you being like a witch or, or being involved with witchcraft when you rebel. So I, I just want to underscore this because we've got to be very careful to obey the Scriptures and what the Scriptures state. And then whenever you, you get a rebellious attitude where I don't believe this or I don't I don't think that's right and so forth, and you don't have any proof to show that it may be a mistranslation or, or something else, because, again, it's only the 1% of the manuscripts, the English manuscripts, have errors. That's a very low percentage. And a lot of those errors are uh, uh, mistranslation of the scriptures as far as the original tenor of the original word that it was written in, in Hebrew, Aramaic, or Greek. All right, so, you know, he has, Yah has preserved his word, and, and we have to take this serious. Now, all right, so, we understand what rebellion is, at least I hope we do. It's pretty plain. Now, let's look at Second Peter chapter 2, verse 10. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 10. And read this in the King James says, But chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanliness and despise government. Uh, this is interesting. The word government in the Greek here is koreis, and it means mastery, rulers, people that rule over you, authorities. Okay, Presumptuous or daring are they self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. All right, and let me look at this in another translation here for clear translation. I think I'm going to try the New American Standard Bible Version. Okay. And especially those who indulge the flesh in his corrupt desires and despise authority, daring self-willed, they do not tremble when they revile angelic majesties. 
verse 11, where angels who are greater in might and power do not bring a, uh, a judgment against them before the Lord. All right, so what it's saying here, these folks, and I know in the King James Version is not very clear. It says dignitaries, and, and I think uh, that word in the original Greek, let me take a look at it here. Second uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 10. Yeah, dignitaries means glorious. Yeah, it does mean glory, glorious ones, yes. All right, so uh, what this is saying here is that you get people that they they mock the angels. They're not free, afraid to speak evil of uh, angelic beings. And in verse 11, the, the dichotomy of this, whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusation against them. But yet these other folks that are rebellious and despise government, they bring accusations to even angels. <laughs> so that's that's sad, and that's not right. And in Jude chapter, there's only one chapter in Jude, Jude chapter 1, verse 7 to 9, it states, even as, and I want you to pay attention to this, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication, uh, and going at us, you know, fornication and sexual perversion is listed in uh, Leviticus uh, chapter 18. And after and going after strange flesh, and are forth, or set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. And then similar, likewise, also these dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, so they despise authority. They, you know, they don't want government, and speak evil of dignitaries. And then here's a, a, an example. Yet Michael the archangel, he's one of the most powerful angels in heaven. Yet Michael the archangel went contending with the devil, who is a cherub as well as Michael. Uh, he disputed about the body of Moses, did not bring against a railing accusation. Okay, and that accusation means a damnation, the condemnation uh, against the devil, but said the Lord rebuked thee. All right, so what I want to point out is that we have to learn how to respect authority, all right? And we shouldn't speak evil of authorities, even, and I'm going to prove to you, even if that authority is evil, we would, we should not bring a railing accusation against those authorities. Uh, another example, which I you know, should have researched the scriptures on this, but Remember when King Saul wanted to kill David, David still respected King Saul, despite his wickedness. So, you know, we have to do the same thing. All right, so 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Beginning in verse 1. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. For kings and for all that are in authority, are in authority, this word means uh, superiority, excellence uh, in the Greek, hoop or okay, that's what it means, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all the godliness and honesty. Okay? So, we... And it says, verse 3, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. So, 
you know, this, this is uh, all in the scriptures, folks, uh, that that we need to still respect authorities. Now, First Peter chapter two. I'm going to go over this again, and uh, I didn't quote the rest of the scripture when I get, did the Bible study on should should we uh, what is it should we obey government or how should we obey government and so forth. Uh, it's First uh, Peter chapter two, beginning in verse thirteen says, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or to governors, as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. Verse 15, for so is the will of God that with well-doing you may put the silence to ignorance of foolish men. Verse 16, as free and not using your liberty, for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Verse 17. Honor all men. Uh, men was added. That's a good addition. Uh, honor all. Uh, love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Verse 18. Servants, be subject to your masters. So obviously a king is a master. They're over you. But it's, it's, it's interesting that this contains the thought, and this whole section uh, beginning in verse 13, is talking about government, submitting to government authorities. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the poor. Let me read this in another version so it will be a little clearer to you. Uh, in verse 17, in the complete Jewish Bible version, be respectful to all, keep loving the brotherhood, fearing God and honoring the emperor. Verse 18 of First Peter chapter 2, household servants, submit yourselves to your masters, showing them full respect, not only those who are kind and considerate, but also those who are harsh. But it still continues the thought of submitting to authority. Verse 19, For it is a grace when someone, because he is mindful of God, bears up under the pain of undeserved punishment. Okay. For what credit is there in bearing up under a beating you deserve for doing something wrong? But if you bear up under punishment, even though you have done what is right, God looks on it with favor. Let me underscore that. But if you bear up under punishment, even though you have done what is right, God looks on it with favor. Verse 21, Indeed, this is what you were called to, because the Messiah too suffered on your behalf, leaving an example. Again, we must follow his example so that you should follow his steps. So we need to follow his steps in the area of how he dealt with government, even unrighteous government. Verse 22, he committed no sin, nor was there any deceit found on his lips. Verse 22, when he was insulted, he didn't retaliate with insults. When he suffered, he didn't threaten, but handed them over to him who judges justly. Verse 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the stake so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness by his wounds you were healed. So anyway, the point of the matter is, obviously, God wants us to tolerate wickedness, but there are times when we have to, to speak up, and I'm going to cover that. Just be patient with me. Allow me to get through with the Bible study, and hopefully all your questions will be asked about, okay, well, uh, the Obama administration and other past administrations have trampled over the Constitution. If they're not following their own laws, what should we do in that situation? Well, I hope to answer that, that question today using the Bible. All right, Titus, chapter 3, verse 1, states, Remind people 
to submit to the government and its officials, to obey them, to be ready to do any honorable kind of work. Uh, verse 2, to slander no one, to avoid quarreling, to be friendly, and to behave gently towards everyone. So I try to avoid arguments as much as possible. <laughs> you know, it's not it's not going to benefit me or the other person going back and forth trying to prove our point. I mean, it really doesn't. If, if someone doesn't want to obey these words of God, then, you know, they are suffering rebellion. They're, they're getting into the world of witchcraft, demonism, basically. And it's unfortunate because Ephesians 2, hold your place here in Titus here, and let's turn to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 2, well, actually, starting at verse 1 in the complete Jewish Bible version. No, actually, I'll read it in the uh, King James here. Uh, and you have, and you has he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Verse 2, wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, or the atmosphere, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. Verse 3 among whom also we all had our conversation or relations in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So this is an interesting scripture here, uh, stating the fact that it shows you how the devil operates, basically. Uh, he has the ability to put his attitude, his character into the atmosphere, that word air. He is the Easter prince of the power of the air. That word air is A-R. In Greek, it means to breathe unconsciously, to blow air. Okay? Uh, he has the ability to do that. And, and he puts his authority, and the word power in the Greek is exousia, and it means a privilege, um, mastery, superhuman mastery uh, of, of the atmosphere. And this spirit works now in the children of disobedience. So that is the kind of power that he has, ladies and gentlemen. And whenever you disobey the word of God, you allow that power to get in your mind and to influence you and to deceive and trick you. That's why you must obey. That's why you must stop rebelling. Okay, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 44. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Now, when... The government does not go by their own rules, and yet you stand up and say, hey, you're not doing this, and they still tell you to do something. They're persecuting you, okay? But the Lord is telling us here to pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. He's saying for us to love our enemies, including the, the unrighteous government and the people in the government, uh, to bless them that curse you, uh, do good to them that hate you. And I guess that that would qualify as them cursing you when they don't go by their own law, and 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 yet you're you're saying, hey, the Constitution says this, 
And they said, we don't care what the Constitution states. We want you to do what we want you to do. So in a sense, that's, that's kind of like them cursing you uh, and, and, and persecuting you. Anyway, verse 45 of Matthew chapter 5. That you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he makes his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. Verse 46 of Matthew 5. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same. And verse 47. And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than the others? Do not even the publicans do so, or the tax collectors? Verse 48, be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. All right, so let's look at an example of where Shaul or Paul used the government of Rome, because he was a Roman citizen, how he spoke up, because he knew, obviously knew the laws of Rome. He knew the, the Roman uh, constitution or, or the law, and he used that in a situation. So let's turn to Romans, uh, not Romans, <laughs> Acts chapter 22, Acts chapter 22. Acts chapter 22, beginning in verse 20. Uh, he was brought to because he was preaching about, uh, let's look at the backdrop here. Yeah, in Acts chapter 22, he was brought before uh, the, uh, let's just read it here, men and brethren and the fathers. Wait a minute, let me go to Acts 21 here. Okay, he was led to the authorities again, and in Acts chapter 22, verse 1, Men, brethren, and fathers, hear ye my defense, which I make now unto you. And then verse 2, And when, he, when they had heard that he spake in Hebrew tongue to them, they kept the more silence, and he said, you know, so anyway, anyway he was brought to the, uh, the government authorities here, and uh, that's the backdrop here, the background. So when we go down to Acts chapter 22, verse 20. And when the blood of thy martyr Stephen was shed, I was I also was standing by and consenting unto his death, and kept the raiment of them that slew him. And verse twenty one, and he said unto them, Depart for and this is what Yeshua stated to Shaul, Depart, for I will send thee far hence unto the Gentiles. And then when he said that they went ballistic, the Jews that were there. Uh verse twenty two of Acts twenty two, and they gave him audience unto this word, and then lifted up their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for it is not fit for that he should live. So they wanted to kill him, Paul. Verse 23, And as they cried out and cast off their clothes and threw dust into the air, verse 24, The chief captain commanded him to be brought into the castle and bade that he should be examined by scourging, that he might know where if they cried so against him. So they wanted to scourge him. In verse 25, And as they bound him with thongs, Paul said unto the centurion that stood by, Is it lawful for you to scourge a man that is a Roman and uncondemned? So he knew the, the Roman constitution of the law, and so he spoke up. And he said, Is it lawful for you to scourge a man that is a Roman and uncondemned? Verse 26, When the centurion heard, that he went and told the chief captain, saying, Take heed for what thou doest, for this man is a Roman. So it <laughs> it was to his advantage to know the Roman law at that time, because it got him off here. In verse 27, Then the chief captain came and said unto him, Tell me, 
Art thou a Roman? He said, Yes. Verse 28, And the chief captain answered, With a great sum obtain I this freedom. And Paul said, But I was uh, born, but I was freeborn, or I was born. Verse 29, Then straightway they departed from him, which should have examined him, and the chief captain also was afraid after he knew that he was a Roman, and because he had bound him. And verse 30, on the, on the morrow, because he would have been known the certainty there if he was accused of the Jews, he loosed him from the bands and commanded the chief priests and all their counsel to appear and brought Paul down and set him before them. So he, he was able to um, avoid that scourging because of his Roman citizenship. So I, I just wanted to point that out. That's one case where, um, and I'm going to, talk about an example here in the in the uh, Constitution of the United States here, uh, the situation with the airports, and now you, you have to be examined and so forth, and that's against the Constitution. Um, Article 4 of the Constitution states this, the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable, now, the states here unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated and no warrant shall issue but upon probable cause supported by oath or affirmation and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. All right, so again, let's point this, let's see what this says and what it doesn't say. It says against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated. Of course, uh, the government wants to state that the searches are always reasonable. Well, according to what I've seen, it's not always reasonable. So they do violate the Constitution. All right, so what do we do in a situation like this? Well, should we, uh, we, we should bring out, we should have our Constitution, Constitution book with us and point this out that, hey, and we should point that out to them. And if they say, well, hey, uh, we don't go by the Constitution or whatever, should we go and fight them? Should we just resist them and let them beat the crap out of us? I mean, should we do that? I think common sense should say no, based on the scriptures I quoted so far. But there is a way that you could uh, fight that without getting beat up. And you can sue. You can sue that particular airport. And you can sue them if you want to go through that. You know, if you want to go through the aggravation of getting a lawyer and so forth. And in that case, if it's a violation against the government, you may be able to get a lawyer for free. I don't know. You need to check into that. But if you want to be a positive force in having the government recognize its own law, it can be done that way. Uh, biblically and morally, I'm not going to tell you that you shouldn't fight um, and and say, hey, you're wrong because you're not following your own law. What I'm saying is that let's be shrewd about this and, and be uh, wise about this. Uh, is it worth, if you have a family and kids and you're all at the airport and you know that they're violating the Constitution of the United States and you bring that up to them and they still refuse to comply, should you continue to to uh, aggravate them to the point of where they start beating you and arresting you and putting you in jail and your kids and your your wife. I'm mean, let's let's be realistic now. 
there's an others way other ways, other shrewd and, and wise ways you can fight that. You can sue them. You can sue the government. The government can be sued. There's other ways that you could fight that using their court system, using our own court system. Okay? Yes, we should obey God rather than men. And, you know, Paul was able to bring that up, and they did comply. So we should know our Constitution, folks, and follow the example of Paul. But if they don't comply, if they threaten to kill you, uh, I think it's pretty wise to, to cool out and, and and go another route toward fighting it. That's the reason why I quoted all those scriptures in the beginning about despise. We've got to be very careful not to despise government, even wicked government authorities, even the archangel Gabriel or Michael respects the devil. He he did not have a railing accusation against him. He he, he respects his authority, and in a, in a certain sense, God respects uh, the uh, Hasatan or the devil's authority because he's allowing him to rule over this earth. You know that that's his that's his jurisdiction right now. But he's going to be punished for it in the end, isn't he? Okay, so let's let's understand that. Um, and this this one scripture is very important here, and we we have to understand this is in Romans chapter thirteen, the much debated Romans chapter thirteen. But I'm just going to read the first verse. It says, "Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God, and the powers that be are ordained of God." So do we want to believe that? But there are cases where, you know, we should obey God rather than men. So, you know, just openly resist. So let's let's look at those situations. Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5, verse 29. Uh, actually, in verse 28, they were brought to the Sanhedrin here. It says, saying, did not we straightly command you, Acts 5, verse 28, did we saying, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. And verse 29, Then Peter and the apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. So, of course, religion, if the king or Obama tells you to go kiss his feet and you can't keep the Sabbath, yeah, we, we are to resist that, even even to the point of death, according to the Scriptures. Uh, Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. And in verse 14, Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, It is true. Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I set up. Now, this is the governor. This is the ruler of Babylon. All right? And verse 15. Now, if ye be ready that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, the duquimer, duquimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made. But if you worship not, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? 
So he's telling him, you better kneel down to me or else I'm going to throw you in the, in the furnace. And in verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this manner. If it be our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fire, if it be so, I mean, in verse 17 of Daniel chapter 3, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. Verse 18, but if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Verse 19, then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spoke and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in an army to bind Shadrach. So we know the story, and they were delivered. But the point is, that's an example I see in a lot of cases in the Bible when it has something to do with telling you to worship false gods. Yes, we resist that. We just totally resist that to the point of where uh, they toss us or they do physical harm to us, whatever. I mean, we if somebody's telling us to go worship a false god, yes, we have to resist. I see that in the in the Bible. I see that in the book of Acts uh, where we, you were thrown in prison because of that. that. That's something that, yes, God requires you to be thrown in prison. But as far as violation of uh, airport security, if they want you to go through a scanner or uh, to, to see whether or not you have an item on you and so forth, that's taking it a bit too far uh, in some cases. Uh, especially with the little babies and, and so forth, going in their diapers to see what they have, and going and having someone take their clothes off to see, you know, that that's going a bit too far. That's against the Constitution. But I don't see a case in the Bible where it's justified to just resist that to the point of where they take you to jail. But I do see, as far as the religion aspect of it. And I do see some other cases, too. Let's look at Exodus chapter 1. Exodus uh, chapter 1. Starting in verse uh, 17. Okay, wait a minute. Let's see. Wait a minute. Okay, here we go. In verse 15 of Exodus chapter Exodus chapter 1, verse 15, in the King James. And the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of the one, Shephrah, and the name of the other, Pa. In verse 16, he said, When ye do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew woman, and see upon the stools, if it be a son, then you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, then she shall live. Verse 17, But the midwives feared God, and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them but save the men children alive. So this is another case when, you know, if Obama told me to go kill somebody, I'm not going to do that. And if he blows my brains out, then he blows my brain. You know, I, I'm not going to uh, violate God's commandment uh, of, of murder because he wants me to murder somebody. I'm not going to do that. So that that's another example. Um, Esther, chapter 4. Esther chapter 4, uh, verse 16 is another example. Let's 
starting in verse 15. Then Esther bade them return Mordecai, this answer, verse 16. Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan, and fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink three days, that's what fasting is, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise, and so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. And so here, this is a situation where um, she was looking for divine intervention from God. The Jews were uh, accused falsely to do something. We know the story of Purim is going to be coming up uh, in February. Or Mar- in February, And it's a story about uh, the evil um, Amon. And he uh, falsely accused the Jews so that the Jews could be destroyed uh, by the uh, the Persian army. Okay, and uh, that's not right. And so she's she's willing to go against the law of the king that you, sh- you should not go near the king to save her people. So in in that type of situation, yes, you must violate the law as well. The uh, the law, uh, the secular law, or civil law. And do what's right. And do what's right. Uh, Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. Now when Daniel knew that he the writing was signed, he went into his house and windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did before time. And if you remember, they... Uh, did not appreciate him doing this because he was worshiping. And and, in verse 12, then he came here and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within 30 days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? So Daniel violated, again, the uh, civil law because he wanted to obey God's law. So again, that's another example of resisting authority on that end. So, and then there's one more, uh, the the wise men, Matthew chapter uh, 2, starting in verse 8. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, bring him word unto me that I may come and worship him also. And in verse 12, and being warned of God in the dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country. So God warned them in this case that they should not obey what Herod stated. Okay, so those are the cases, ladies and gentlemen, biblically, and there may be more, uh, where you obey God rather than men. But we have to be wise, uh, especially in these times uh, when, sure, the government is going against the Constitution, but we have to use wisdom in how we... Uh, rebel against that in a righteous way. So I hope I've explained this in a clear and concise fashion. If you have any questions, feel free to email me at canard at mercifulserviceofgod.com. May Elohim bless you and keep you. And um, God willing, Elohim willing, I'll be available to you next week. Shalom. Peace. Malachi chapter 4. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. 
And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. 